Bonjour, campers. I have spent two weeks deep in the bowels of Camp Wanislea, and I believe I am closer than ever to finding an answer to this madness. I will share everything I have learned. Gather in the movie room tonight. Together, we can triumph over evil. Who's there? <gasps> Socry Blue! I have seen a mysterious masked man. He's dressed in leather and carrying a knife. Deputy Camp Director Anne, get everyone in their bunks at once. There's a murderer on the loose. He's already killed. And he's looking for his next victim. I can feel it. Him inside me. Oh dear, stay safe and rest on me. Bonjour. Welcome to Bunk 237, uh, the fake camp that we made up that I guess is now in France today um, to talk about horror movies. I am one of your hosts, Robin Zlotnick. And I'm the other host, Tiet Wen. Our guest today is our very first returning camper, Keith Garcia, Artistic Director of the CE Film Center in Denver and the director of the forthcoming documentary, The Heels Have Eyes. Hello, Keith. Hello! I'm so honored to uh, have returned to camp for another season. You made it. Season. You survived it. the first season. Yeah, I yep. did. Does, does that make me Tommy Jarvis? Is that. <laughs> You're back. We do have a frequent camper badge for you. Yes! I know what you did last summer. You were here mm. with us. <laughs> I'll put that on the fridge. Oh, it's not real. <laughs> oh, damn it. Yeah, if you were no. still waiting for the badges from the other episode, those are those don't exist. Nothing exists here. <laughs> Nothing exists here. This camp except us. This camp this camp is a malleable just goop of a galaxy that floats around. Hence, I suppose, why we're in France today. Exactly. We are in France today because we watched 2018's uh, Knife Plus Heart, Knife and Heart in French. It's called Un Couteau dans le Coeur, A Knife in the Heart. Um, it is a French film, co-written and directed by Jan Gonzalez. takes place in 1979 in Paris. It's, uh, you know, neon lights everywhere, everywhere. Everyone's wearing leather. Vanessa Paradis plays Anne, a uh, producer of gay porn, and um, she's going through a rough time. She's uh, she's an alcoholic. <laughs> she's uh, heartbroken over a recent breakup um, uh, with her, her ex-girlfriend, who is also her editor. Talk about awkward working with your with your ex right um and then on top of all that a masked killer uh starts murdering her actors one by one can i make a comment uh about more yeah. movies that i just realized about all the lead actors that are always going through a rough time yeah <laughs> there's never you never have a a protagonist in a horror movie that is uh well adjusted uh, right. In therapy for for good reasons, not because they're getting over something, uh, or like you know, on their meds. Right, right, right. Wait, I mean, is, you know, is this why we like horror movies? Are we? It kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. Or, you know, it's a it's a cathartic uh, 
you know, what journey to the trenches yeah, what <laughs> of does that human existence. Say about us? <laughs> what does that say about us? Are you guys okay? Am I okay? Look, Tia, no one's okay. Right okay. Now. <laughs> okay. No, you're right. You're right. It is. That's not, we can't ask that question anymore until like 2024. Right. But let's right. talk about Anne. Is she okay? She's not. She's not. She's, she's not okay. She's not she's okay. She's okay, not okay. And Annie, are you okay? <laughs> Sava? <laughs> no. <laughs> I will say for my for my two years of taking French in middle school, the one thing that I remembered was when they go Sava, and I'm like, oh, I remember that. Sava <laughs> bien? Oui. I took French through uh, high school, so, and I've been practicing a little bit on Duolingo. So. <laughs> Oh, I love Duolingo's album. It was the best album of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) Really popular. A lot of downloads, I think, in 2020. Yes. (laughs) Okay, but back to back to Knife Plus Heart. Keith, this was (laughs) this was your choice, and uh, you brought this movie to us, just like you did Black Christmas the first time you were on on the podcast. And you're two for two, and (laughs) bam, (laughs) nailed it. (laughs) <laughs> and I just want to know what your background is with this movie, how you came to it, what you love about it. Well, um, you know, something about me that not everybody knows, but they should, is that I am gay as fuck. Um, Woo, and so key. I know. <laughs> sorry kidding. to tell you this way. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> but... <laughs> All those nights to yet. Oh <laughs> with my God. You. That's neither here nor there. Um, so uh, my whole life growing up, not only did I love horror and slashers and all this stuff, but I was always like looking for like the queer coding that exists in actually quite a bit of horror over the years. Um, you know, me just looking for like, well, where's the if I, if I if if the goal of of being watching a movie is to put yourself in the shoes of the protagonist or any character really on screen um you know being queer is the other part that's like ooh well who amongst this group of of uh, potential victims and or final girl um am I siding with am I am I feeling closer to and is there a potential for there to be um you know, a queer connection. Is this character uh, going through a rough time, but in regards to their identity <laughs> or sexuality, which um, I'm, I'm sure, you know, horror fans have, have figured out in the last, it's been about the last five years that, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, Freddy's Revenge, is perhaps the most quintessentially rediscovered, queer-coded horror entry right. of all horror films and that it is indeed was written with a subtext uh although from an angle of um homosexuality is bad that you have to suppress the monster within you um versus being a like yay like a i mean (laughs) i was about to say uh a a positive queer-coded movie like the babadook um Which ah. is an accidental queer-coded movie, but right. kind of yeah. works if you really look at it with uh, rainbow glasses. Exactly. I'm in a similar boat to you. I, I love queer representation on film. I love 
queer-coded things. I love watching things. To, I mean, and I think horror is such a great vehicle for that, especially in, like, earlier days of cinema and horror, sort of working that in when you couldn't say it out loud, uh, when you couldn't just put it out there. And in, in this movie, specifically, I really love the representation in a way that doesn't feel smutty, even if it's graphic. Because I think queer characters as villains is an easy thing. But this one is, um, you know, there's it, there's a lot of sex, but it doesn't feel sleazy, even though it is sort right. of like... It, it's such a, a celebration. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also think it's very cool that there's sort of like this cool kind of like butchy femme lesbian as the lead in a movie about gay male porn. Uh, I like her as the as the director. I think that's very cool. Um, and Vanessa Paradis is like fantastic at it. She's like so brutal and harsh. Um, you know, she's a character like I I I like her because she's cool, but also she's also a ba- she's a bad person. So I'm like a little divided on yeah, actually like yeah, she's liking. a mess. Yeah, she's a mess. Like she's you know, um, but she's also trying right. As a person, I mean, she's heartbroken. She's an alcoholic. She has yeah. a lot of issues, but she's also like, she also like puts in the work to try to find the killer. You know, when it when the movie kind of turns to the who done it like early on, and you're trying mm-hmm. to put the clues together, um, and then she sets up the the sort of the scene at the end when she figures out who it is, um, and the who done it part is I think the probably the least interesting part of the movie. You know. There was a second where it got me early on where I was like, oh, maybe it's one of the actors. Maybe it's her. Yeah. Uh, but that definitely that definitely is the I, – I think the narrative part of the movie is the least interesting part of the movie. That may be one big reason why I've gravitated towards Night Plus Heart uh, since it came out. Is Well, number one, it's uh, – it, yeah, it is gay AF. Like, there's no queer coding here. It is – you are <laughs> – right. From the beginning, you're like, hello, meet all the gay people you're about to spend the next two hours with um, and figure this out. Um, to that context, too, being a 100% queer film, like, that's the other little level of, like, queer horrors. There's queer horror that's queer-coded, and then there's queer horror that is just gay, which there is actually not a ton of. Um, you know, explicitly gay horror out there. So whenever it does pop up, I always like to take note and, and really hope that it uh, is serving a purpose more than just being um, a thirst trap for right. for gay horror fans, which right, can sometimes right. be the problem in gay horror. Well, I'm, and with that, I'm just I'm talking about like David Decatoe's movies, um, which if you've ever seen any of those, like they're Always about like college boys, like either starting a coven or, uh, you know, some weird like witch thing or something. But it's really a big excuse for the college boys to like get down to their underwear and eventually, <laughs> right, eventually right, like right. make out with each other and whatever. And then you're like, wait, but, but wasn't there something going on with like a sacrifice or like isn't the <laughs> yeah. hell mouth about to open up? <laughs> wait, what's going on? Uh, I I will say that the, although not necessarily maybe intended as a thirst trap, I will say every person in this movie is very attractive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very you, true. you can't take a trip to the you know French Spanish countrysides and not right <laughs> not yeah, find attractive like... people.
what if we did the entire who's on first bit and then asked people to leave us Apple podcast reviews? Who's on first? Yes. And what's on second? And I don't know who's on third. No, 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 no. We are not doing this. Right. No, no, no. We're not doing this is the shortstop. Stop. No, I don't think he's on the team. No, I mean, we're not going to do the whole Abbott and Costello bit. We're just going to nicely ask people to leave us a review on Apple Podcast if they enjoy Bunk 237, ah, horror movie podcast. And that's that. That's the coach. This has been Robin and Jeff do Who's on First. Stick around for more Bunk 237. That's what I thought was so uh, successful about this movie is like it's about gay porn. It's about like sort of this like like, you know, subculture in 70s Paris. You know, it's kind of gritty and dirty. There's a, there are a lot of like weird kind of dream sequences. It's very ethereal. It's very like kind of stagey at points. Um, and then it's also super goofy and schlocky and campy. And it does both like it just it just perfectly melds them somehow <laughs> the movie within a movie is i love that it's probably one of my favorite things in any kind of cinema fake television shows fake movies i it's my it's one of my favorite things of all time probably yeah. i actually have a badge that for the uh, for the movie within a movie and it's called the fool me once badge because several times <laughs> gonzalez got me with the i'm starting a scene and you don't know what's going on. Who is it? What's happening? And then it's just a scene in the movie that they're <laughs> shooting. <laughs> That's, every time it happened, it was very fun. Especially, yes. I mean, probably one of the, the funnest scenes is the police interrogation. Is the fake, yes. the fake police interrogation <laughs> with the foot fetish. And, yes. and the guy that's like humping the typewriter and the mustachioed policeman. Oh, that is, it was so comical and just right in the middle of it and just coming right after the, what seems, I'm like, is that, that one got me for sure where I was like, wait, is this happening or is this in the movie? I don't know, but I love it. But once they start just pushing, they, they walk up to that edge and then they just glide on right through and it's so good. It's, and it's so just good. Like, it's just like joy. It's like joyous almost. <laughs> like a like it's so it's hard because you know they're dealing with murder and like actually serious you know there there are some like really tough themes in this and and the you know homophobia and and self-loathing and that kind of you know all the violence um and then you know and then it's just like this is the world they live in this is the world queer people live in for the most part is it's like that's one of the things too it's like uh Queer life can be a horror movie a lot of times. And, you know, it, it's it's really interesting in a non-queer-coded sense with a film like this. Um, to have a, a queer villain is interesting because it, it is definitely like a taking back of, like, you know, the F word or, you know, anything like that where... Uh, <laughs> I've often called it, like, equal opportunity... Uh, murder (laughs) where it's like it's not that it's not that the killer's queer it's that uh 
uh, or that the people who are getting killed are queer. It's that we, as queer people, want to be the ones making the choice of who's queer mm-hmm. <laughs> in, those, in those connections. <laughs> Where it's like when straight people, <clears throat> Brian De Palma, have, um, you know, thrown queer people as the killers very often. It's it's for it's for that that old uh, isn't this peculiar um, right, right, right. sense of of reveals of killers and in this instance you know the reveal of of who the killer is like it's both like devastating because we understand that it's a person who was freaking burned alive by his father after his father cut off his penis because he caught him with a friend in a barn. Um, and that, you know, he did not deal well <laughs> with, right. with surviving right. that incident. Um, and that internalized into uh, essentially, like, homophobia um, for the situation. And But when it's revealed that he's the killer in front of the uh, viewers at this porno theater their reaction knowing that he's been killing gay people is to kill him. Um, right. And it's both like a devastating, but then also like a just kind of like punishment where you're like, well, you shouldn't have killed people. Like, like th- there comes a moment <laughs> in, in those situations. Like I do have a weird moment in the back of my head where I'm like, y'all, can we talk this out? Like, don't kill him. Like, l- l- let's he's talk hurting. this out a second. He's yeah. And then hurting. it's, but then it's like, oh yeah, he did just like kill like five people. Yeah, that's true. I have I have that conversation with myself a lot when watching horror movies. When I, I kind of sympathize with the villain, I'm always like, oh, but oh, but okay, but that person's bad. Uh, yeah. But I I think you make a good point, uh, Keith, because I think you know historically, uh, in cinema, the, uh, gay villains are villains because they're gay, at, because it's an evil thing to be gay in in these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is very what I like about this is that in this movie. The gay villain is gay, but he's a villain, not because he's gay, but because he was in love. And I thought about that a lot, because the other thing I thought about in this movie was how, especially in horror movies, and we know this, sex and death are equated in horror movies all the time. Sex equals death. It's usually teenagers having sex. Having sex in a movie, in a horror movie, you're going to die. And every person that had sex in this movie died. But I think the difference in this movie, and I think... Again, coming back to the point where, although this movie is graphic, it's not smutty, it's not sleazy, is that uh, it equates sex with death, but it also equates love with death. And I think that in a lot of movies, gay villains don't get that kind of backstory. The backstory that they get is that they're gay. Well, and and we have that really interesting uh, juxtaposition of Anne and her relationship with her ex-girlfriend um, that comes to a very, you know, Ugh, terrible yeah. head where she in turn becomes a monster, like just as bad as as Guy is. You know, she essentially sexually assaults her ex-girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and there's like no coming back from that. But it's 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 akin to Guy's first decision to murder someone. It was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know the same kind of thing, but but we are we are there with Anne, and you know she did not murder anybody, but uh, she also feels like she's been murdered herself. Like she's such a uh, oh yeah, I have a, 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 a dead, <laughs> dead body. 
<laughs> I mean, you know, she she literally scratches "You've killed me" into the yeah. the film that she knows that uh, that her girlfriend's yeah. gonna see while she's editing the movie. <laughs> yeah, I I have a I have a bag uh, that's related to that line, uh, but it's actually a different line, and I guess th- this comes up a lot in the movie. Uh, but the badge is. Oh, you just said what the movie is about, Badge. Uh, to the character of Nons, who said, quote, the more you kill me, the more I love you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's what the movie is about. It's a lot mm-hmm. of like that. And again, and, and it, it goes back and forth on that the whole time. Over and over. The whole um, cabaret scene, too, with the performance of the two women, and one of them is dressed as... A bear or a yeah, the some bear, sort the of bear's eating, bear. eating, yeah. eating her love. Yes. Yeah. In the dramatic cabaret with all that blood and guts. <laughs> also, very fun cabaret show. Very I fun would cabaret show. Love to see that in person. She's yeah. She says, "The more I kill you, the more I love you." Yeah. The more you kill me, the more you love me. Yeah. And it's just like it's all there. The there whole it is. Time. That's what the movie's about. Yeah. Um. I I have a question, and it is. It's it's uh, surrounding Anne's connection to to Guy because he murders the people in the movie that basically told the story of his life, right? Yeah. That she made and years uh, before had made years yeah, like before. A, yeah, the oldie uh, oldie moldy, right? As she called it <laughs> right, and ostensibly like when when we see those those dream sequences in like the negatives. Um, that it it's always happening when she's sleeping so it, f- it seems like she's dreaming of his story what what is that connection there you know she and then she goes to the grave the cemetery and she clearly is drawn to this grave is it just like a, an elemental like we've been through sort of this you know we've we've been destroyed by love kind of thing I mean, those those scenes are obviously dreams that she's haunted by. So right, yeah, there, and that's one of the I think one of the nice things within the movie, and and you know, in I love when a movie doesn't spell everything out where there's a, there is kind of a a supernatural magic that will flow through something where we don't really have to know. It's like meeting the the son of that bird uh, expert <laughs> who has the weird bird hand. Yeah. Like, what? Okay. <laughs> I have a badge that's just the hmm birds badge. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of birds. Put a bird weird, on it. Uh, the ancient blind bird. bird. <laughs> that exactly. was a weird turn. I feel like I was watching the movie. I feel like I blinked for a second, <laughs> and then it got extra supernatural. And I was just like, "Wait, is there a monster? What happened?" I had to go back after the movie again and be like, what happened? I, my question was, what happened in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because there's, there's a lot of um, serendipity, I suppose, is what it is, where it's like, you know, how, 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 did, how did Guy come to find, you know, this porn production house and, you know, basically, like, haunt it? waiting for these various actors to make themselves vulnerable. And then, you know, especially it comes to when they do the, uh, they go on the picnic. In the mm-hmm. oh, yeah. So you are in the country. And, <laughs> yeah. And this, and Guy people. has decided to, yeah, to, to show up in broad daylight, yeah. no less. 
Yeah. Um, After it, one of, um, I think her name was Misia, gets lost in the woods inexplicably because it's yeah. too windy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that happens to me all the time on picnics with, picnics with my friends. Keep an eye on me. I'm going to get lost if it gets a little windy. Yeah. Have a buddy. In case, <laughs> in case, in case there's a swift that. gust. Yes. <laughs> Oh, but but it seemed it seemed like yeah serendipitous that the killer was like oh and then yes I got you the one that I was waiting for that was and that was the actor who had left who hadn't done right her porn in years and just through you know a favor I suppose had come to to help them shoot the final scene of of homicidal um, such a great pun title. of the century yeah. yeah. <laughs> incredible, incredible pun. When she, when Anne came back and was like, "I have a new title," because it, it was originally titled "Anal Fury 5. Yes. <laughs> which also is such an incredible joke about porno movies. <laughs> uh, but I, this is probably an un, maybe an unintentional or intentional uh, thing in the movie. But it is interesting how everything kind of happens coincidentally because even Keith finding the original movie that just happened to tell his life story. I mean, is that coincidence? Is that fate? Is her connection just that she, you know, happened to make a story that was similar to someone else's life story, which, I mean, which happens. That's a, you know, like that is a real thing that happens in storytelling is that you are going to accidentally tell someone's story. There's 7 billion people on earth, you know? Um, Right. I think the, I think the the answer probably is that the movie is more of a metaphor or a poem than, <laughs> than a logistical <laughs> sequence of events, yeah. you know. Yes. Especially by the Which, time by, by the time we get to the end of the movie, where like the the credit sequence essentially. I love where, the credit where sequence. Where it's where I think you were you know your badge came from. Where you're like fool me once, but then you're like oh no wait this isn't a movie. Right. <laughs> this yes. Is, Totally. This is this is probably a dream. Or is Anne dead now? Is this the future? Is this like her meeting up with Lois in heaven? Um, what's going on? Right. <laughs> is there going to be another credit sequence to this movie? Right. No, right. there is right. not. I love the credit sequence. I there's also something fun about a credit sequence that kind of just tells the story again, you know, or like because there was the narration at the end or the the voiceover at the end where she reminds you who he is and what happened and sort of, but tells the fairy tale version of his story and about how he was rescued by these birds and so on, which is a weird take on it. Um, I'm not mad it's at very, it, but it was It's a very uh, Selena, Selena Kyle Catwoman uh, origin story. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I love it. Uh, um, going back to the birds... I found the bird so interesting because at first, to me, when before we know what's going on with the murderer, the bird seems to show up right before, you know, a kill, and it's very ominous. And then we get the explanation of the bird, and it's like this ancient protector of people when they when they die. It's like a protective, like comfort comforting kind of thing, and that was just very. Like the the kind of like switch up of the function of the bird was very interesting. And and the bird is blind too, so that's yeah. the other thing. It has no idea 
what it's seen, what it's, you know, the, you know, Guy, who it's been like, hey, we nursed you back to health. We're just coming to the city with you, right? You're just going to, like, go on some adventures, right? And then it's like, oh, you're just meeting people, right? And then it's like, hey, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that that person just went home. Are they okay? Do they, like... <laughs> Wait, is the bird... Is the bird a representation of love? Like, it's blind. Love is blind. It <laughs> might be evil, but it's also good. It's protective, but it also creates it's chaos. Ominous, but also, it's ominous. Yeah. But also fuzzy. <laughs> 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 like, it was a pretty cute bird. Just like love. I do enjoy, I do really love this killer as a, also as a, like, uh, a queer note of so many things like their, their leather fashion, the like leather mask, like out in the open too. Like it it is interesting how, I don't know how many of y'all have, have dug deep into a queer bar, uh, like the Eagle and so forth where things get a little rougher. Um, but the idea of like a leather face mask is such a, just like, Hey, that dude just likes wearing a leather face mask. There's no questioning it. Right. Um, And this notion that he's just enjoying himself at a club, hiding the like severely burned face underneath, which is fine, not his fault, <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> just wants to be loved too. Um, but then yeah, uh, the the phallus with the knife in it. That, oh, uh, I have a badge. <laughs> you do. It is the knife to meet you badge to that killer <laughs> cock. <laughs> A dildo switchblade? I have the dildo switchblade badge. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This is, I think, the only movie that I've seen that has a dildo switchblade. Weren't there, like, razor cocks in Mandy? Oh, no, there is. Yeah, there is that dude. The dude who, like, snorts the mountain of cocaine. Right. Who has, like, yeah, he's got some shit on his dick that... I think it's just a knife that comes out of its crotch. Right. Yeah. It's different. It's not a dildo switchblade specifically. Oh, yeah, well, is, we got we is... got to go back to the the granddaddy of the dildo switchblade, which is uh, David Fincher's Seven. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I yeah, yeah. That. And that a was a movie. A more subtle. Yeah. At the time, we we the the horror was in in only seeing what the the implement was and not it in action we had to understand oh yeah. Right, dear right, lord right. oh yeah right, right, i gasped right. little high school me gasped yeah. <laughs> when gay, i saw that a little gay gasp yeah. <laughs> i like the underlying vanessa parody in this movie because she's always been an actress that i've loved for years mm-hmm. and it just it's for many reasons but one of them is her ability to like just totally fall into a movie like this Mm-hmm. And just, just know every like inch of her character. Like, she's never overacting. She just is overcome. <laughs> she's just yeah. <laughs> and and I Vanessa Paradis with the, the 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 gap in her teeth that I want to drive a van through just so I can like hear the wind that rolls by <laughs> as I do that. She's so beautiful. Also, like just. Mm-hmm. Like every time I see a photo of her, like, and, and that's like throughout the course of my lifetime, like she is just so beautiful. And her voice too. Oh, excuse me. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> I love the idea of her character too. Is just this 
Well, A, this this lesbian who's decided to apparently throw all of her money, wherever she's gotten all this money, into just making porno. And obviously has hit, like, a low point where she's just like, whatever, we're just shooting porn. She's not even barely showing up to direct. <laughs> right. She's gotten right. drunk, and her cameraman and, uh, and Archibald, her, like, uh... Oh, her I have great, to shout uh, out Archibald. Yes. Because he, that actor... Mm-hmm. Nicolau Mori, I'm butchering the, pre- the pronunciation, but he plays Hervé in Call My Agent. That <laughs> you guys, if you have not watched, this is like a, my short plug for Call My Agent. What a good show. And he's wonderful in that show, a very different character. Um, and I guess that's acting. <laughs> he's just a good actor. <laughs> but I just love him so much. <laughs> yeah, he's really great. Um, but yeah, but she, she just shows up and is just like, well, I guess we're making another movie until a murder happens. And then she's like, ah, inspiration, inspiration. (laughs) Like the, that, the way that that ignites her like passion for it. And she writes this incredible story. I wanted to give her the women in film badge, you know, (laughs) for her work in the adult film industry, but also for her vision in what I would call narrative art films. I, th- I found it very interesting that like the people around her seemed to know that she was not like a great <laughs> person, you know, like, 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 I guess, I, I don't know if it was Arch, I guess Lois called her a monster and Archibald agreed or something. And like, they just kind of know, but like, but they stick with her and they trust her on like a deeper level, you know, there's something else there where they know that like she's a mess, but she's going to you know, love them and protect them and you know, no matter what. I think this speaks to like community, right? I think this also speaks to like being in the queer community and chosen queer. family. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah. cuz I think that even yeah, even the sort of bad apple so to speak in your chosen family that's still those are your people. And even like her ex-girlfriend who thinks she's a monster is still working on the film and is still part of the troupe and still part of the community. And comes to save her at the end. Yeah. You know, attempts to when um, she finds out what's going on. I really do like the line in the for the conclusion of the movie of Homicidal where they reveal that it's the box office girl from the porno theater. <laughs> and they say... <laughs> They say, mother by day, murderer by night, a sickness on the rise. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> I love the notion of like mothers becoming murderers, like as a, like, <laughs> as a problem, like that that was like, like this is the 10th one this An week. epidemic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would love to actually watch Homicidal. I wish that there was a cut of just Homicidal, like in, in an era of, DVD extras. I want that to be an extra. It's true. There is a cut on the Blu-ray of uh, De Sperm de Ta Fresh, which <laughs> <laughs> which they filmed as a whole like little short, essentially. But um, but yeah, but no no homicidal, unfortunately. <laughs> That's too bad. Um, I uh, I have a question about. I have a question for. Both of you guys, because I, I watching this, uh, and I made this joke earlier, but it's a it's a very it's a real sexy film. Um, but I was thinking about how, like, the way that I'm provoked by sex on screen. 
I and I have no problem seeing sex on screen. I have no problem seeing death on screen. However, maybe because of my Catholic upbringing, when I do see sex, and this is sometimes even when I see people kissing <laughs> on screen, like I'm a little, you know, I, I get a little like shy like, in my heart, you know, like a little embarrassed, like, <laughs> a, like a little blush. A little shy <laughs> in your heart? I do. I can't. And it's like, it's never anything outwardly, but I can feel it in my soul where I kind of want to look. I'm like, let me turn around. I'll give you guys some privacy. <laughs> and I, I, it is, and it's, it's, it's sex, it's intimacy. And maybe that says something more about me than about movies. Um, but like, I was thinking about the contrast of how like the way that I reacted, like death scenes versus the way that I reacted, like sex scenes. Like I'm much more open. I don't have any kind of weird shyness watching death scenes. But watching, like, people have sex, it, like, is it makes me a little nervous. And I'm like, why does it do that to me? Is that because we come from Puritans? Like, what is that? Do, yes, have, do, does that? Yes. <laughs> yes. No, you're right. I mean, do you guys have that reaction? Or, a ha- like, when you guys see sex on screen, do you, do, do you, does it, do, does it make you nervous? Does it make you feel anything? Well, it's funny because, I, I just think you need to watch more gay porno or more porno in general. Um, but, uh watching this film i appreciate it 100 percent every aspect of like the 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 porn that it's depicting but there's a part of me that's just like they could have just they they could have gone it's a wishful thinking that they could have gone the extra step and just filmed fucking yeah Yeah. no i had that same sort of thing at the like at the end of the movie whereas like yeah i i am with you like i there's a tiny part of me that is like oh should i be watching this um but then I got to the end of this movie and I was like, wait a second. Like they cut all the scenes before the actual sex starts or, you know, or before anyone gets naked. Like you don't see penis like you don't, you know, like it, it they, there was like a, a coyness to the way that they shot this movie that I was like, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah, they it weren't. It wasn't as weird. Like, it wasn't as much as I thought it was. Or it's I thought like, it was going to be. It's like you look at a movie like Short Bus, which is not a horror film, nor a porno, but there's extended scenes of real people having sex and doing wild things. And you're just like, at some point, and maybe this is just my, my years of, my old hat years of watching porno, is <laughs> just that, there's probably a, a desensitization to it, at least on my end, where it's more like, oh, okay, well, we know what they're getting at, and we don't have to necessarily like follow on those details a little bit, especially because I suppose that's the the comedy side of it, is the sort of just like the the weirdness of shooting porn in general, like how none of it, none of their shooting porn is sexy. Right, like, right. None of it is sexy. Right. Um, oh, we haven't talked about a bouche d'or. The the fluffer guy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, golden mouth. I love him. Mouth of gold. I yeah. thought he was great. I loved the way he was introduced. Also, where his name was called out first, and then he appeared, and I was like, "That's a great name for a fluffer. That's a perfect name for a fluffer. I love that. I love that." And I also love the little joke that like uh, when the one of the when when one of the characters was like, "How much are you getting paid?" and he was like, "Oh, I don't." I live with my mom. I don't need money. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, oh, you just love your job. I appreciate that. The love of the I, job. Appre- yeah. I appreciate someone that, you know, is dedicated to their craft. Love it. 
Um, also, I, I want to be clear. I'm not a prude. Like, I've seen a lot of sex in cinema and non-cinema. But I just, I think it's just my Catholic heart. I just, like, I mean, I'm like... Well, did your, did your, did your shy heart have a little uh, uh, squeal with the... Uh... I'll, I'll give it a badge. I'll, I'll pull out a badge of the uh, the fire in the hull uh, badge for the, the dual explosive cum shot in the movie <laughs> between the, the detective and the, uh, I guess, the femme fatale in two different locations. <laughs> I so thought that was funny. so rad. <laughs> and they showed it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> I love, it. Yeah. <laughs> I love every time. Yeah. I love a fucking, I love a, I love a scene. I love scenes that are cut like that, that are like two things that are happening at the same time. Fantastic. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> I don't say I don't like it. I like it. Guys, I love, I love it. <laughs> Guys, please. I'm not weird, right? No, you're not weird. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you are perfectly fine and perfectly fine in all your angelic ways. <laughs> Perfectly normally repressed. The, 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 <laughs> the, the stork brings babies, and those people are just wrestling. <laughs> Keith, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I'm so glad that you brought this movie to us. Thank was... you for inviting me. I'm I'm glad you guys wanted to to watch and and talk about this movie because it it is you know in it's such a a well made horror film. Yeah, uh, and it hits all the beats that we want to with with a a slasher of sorts, but it it really is that added touch of of the queer identity, and I really I do think yeah, it, is it a little arty? Of course, but it never takes itself so seriously. I mean, it is a French film after all, um, so <laughs> we can't just have a straight up. I mean. Let's think of all the French horror films uh, that have made an impact, uh, you know, from High Tension to Martyrs to Inside. Um, they all have their moments where they get a little heady, where they're like, ooh, what is this Sacre Bleu? What is this French <laughs> This French twist that we have going on? And I should give a shout out to um, the film was distributed was the first major distribution release of a, a great little queer company called altered innocence um and they put out specifically just all queer content um and they've been restoring a lot of great older queer films uh, including some great very heady uh, queer pornos that in fact inspired um the films within uh, knife and heart including one called equation of an unknown which is uh, really fantastic. Um, they have a side label called Anus Films <laughs> instead of Janus Films um, <laughs> for for their porn restorations. Um, and they have a couple from this great director, um, Halstead, uh, that are making their rounds in theaters and festivals this fall. But check out Altered Innocence online. Uh, they've also begun distributing their films through Vinegar Syndrome, my old friends at Vinegar Syndrome. Um, so you always get really good quality quality art and copies and all sorts of stuff from them. But yes, they, uh, I fell in with them with Knife Plus Heart, and um, uh, they've just always dazzled me with their choice of, of, uh, of, of films that they put in their roster, so... Um, where where can we find you online? What are you working on? 
if you ever want to follow me on like the Instagrams and stuff, I'm at Constant Watcher is my handle across many things. Um, I am currently trying to get together our programming at the Sea Film Center. We've been closed, obviously, since the pandemic, but we'll be returning to in-person um, right around the start of the 44th Denver Film Festival, coming up November 3rd to the 14th here in Denver, Colorado. And um, we'll be open right after that for certain. Um, and be back to programming screens for... Denverites or various people who travel abroad and land in Denver. Um, and as I mentioned before, still working on uh, my, I guess we're going on 13 years of production of my documentary, my dragumentary, The Heels Have Eyes. So we're, it, it's getting closer, I swear, I promise. Awesome. Keith, That's you're cool. always such a wonderful trove of information and trivia yeah. and like such great film recommendations. We love having you on. Thank you so well, much. Well, thanks for having me back. It's yeah. a pleasure. Um, hopefully I can make it uh, to complete it on a trilogy. Um, oh, please. Please. I think you have to come back every for season. For sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Come back all the um, time because we know nothing. So, like, you, like yeah. every time. This is like, it's like a class, but like yeah. a really cool one. Yeah. I always know so much more afterwards. I'm, I'm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank you for making us look good. Thank you. <laughs> hey, you're I welcome. I don't know if he. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I thought it was a steep task. <laughs> you know, thanks Keith. for tolerating us, Keith. <laughs> Bunk two three seven, a horror movie podcast, stars Tiet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk two three seven. And introducing Alex Skoke as camp director Susan Check. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick. And our outro music is written and performed by Axe Slasher. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a badge of your own for this movie? Follow us on Instagram at Bunk237Pod and Twitter at Bunk237 and let us know. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.